The Havrusa, featuring Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, directed by Jeff Osias. From Chicago, this is the Chavrusa. I'm Rabbi Avram Kivalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Morch. Tonight we want to talk about a phenomenon which is sometimes called cabin fever, the winter blahs. All of us here in the frost belt in the Midwest know what we're talking about. And this is caused not only by the weather, which can sometimes reach freezing temperatures um, and locking people in the house, but even the, just the um, atmosphere and the attitude that's caused by winter and the slowing down of things and brings people towards this, um, I'd guess, um, depression of sorts. Sure. Psychologists have said that people question their self-image. They tend to engage in binge eating. They suffer from depression, and they can turn to other worse things than eating during this time. And I think that here in Chicago and in places like that, that the Jewish world has created remedies for that. I, I think uh, one remedy that's known throughout the world is basically the idea of going on vacation, where you would take either the uh, holiday time or some other time in the winter and go to some warmer climate and refresh yourself of sorts. I, I think that uh, is just a great idea. It's a way for someone to um, leave their worries and the issues that they're having with being in the cold and, um, I guess, Restrengthen themselves for well, the rest of the winter. You, know, you have the upwardly mobile middle class that is now able to afford these type of trips and depend on in-laws and other people to be babysitters while they jaunt around to Mexico or the Caribbean. But common, I, I don't know if this is a practical thing. First of all, it's not necessarily affordable. Although perhaps the people of your generation see it as something that's given to them, I think many people realize that this is just something they can't afford. Well, it's something people can manage to find for. If they're really suffering from the winter, then they need to find a way to get away from the winter for a short sure while. I yeah, think that, I, but that suffering is probably something they shouldn't much, be running. As much as one would go to the doctor to help Yeah, them. well, but a doctor, the difference is, of course, a doctor could probably talk to the patient and find out what's wrong and suggest a cure, whether this is some, this is really a fantasy, this is just a way to escape. And I don't know if it necessarily helps things, especially since when they're back in the f deep freeze again, those same problems will probably erupt again. Yeah, but they'll be better off. They'll have had their break. It's, 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 it's always like that. You know, you well, I think back. when we visit these type of places, when we visit these warm areas, and we know that there are communities in these more temperate zones in Los Angeles and in Miami, I think it causes us to think, is there something to be said about climates like our own? Climates like our own that have such strictly defined seasons. We know that the Torah itself says in Parshas Noach that Kor v'chom, Kayetz v'choref, those four periods of the year, those four seasons, those four tkufot, strictly written the way they are, as part of the human experience. Maybe there's something positive we have to think about going through those stages. Well, I, I don't know about that. I, I think, first of all, um, I think we could put aside any place that's um, always cold. I think that people who live in places like that, places like Alaska or um, even places in Canada, are are not really living. I mean, 
you you can't be oh, in a is place our signal where it's reaching up cold. there. I don't know if, if you're out there. Maybe perhaps they. Can I mean, make it's a it's unnatural, uh, almost inhumane for a person to always live in a place and never be warm. To just um, always needing to wear these. A thick clothing. Why would you live there if you could live anywhere else? I, I just don't understand it. And therefore, because I don't see that as a way that one should choose to live their life, I find it hard to see winter in a positive um, tone. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you, Kalman. Living in a place that has 10 months of winter and perhaps a month and a half of summer and, and even two weeks, those summers two are, are 40, 50 degrees. I mean, that's summer. Yeah, I, I'll agree that that's an interesting place to visit and it's probably magnificent and marvelous to so, be there. So then why... But I, I'll agree with you that we shouldn't necessarily uh, live there. And you see that Jewish communities aren't uh, dotting the the northern Bering There coast. are many Jewish communities in Canada. And I don't know why they would. Most of them there. are. Most of them are not in the common. You have to uh, perhaps get a geography lesson. Most of them are not in those type of climates. True, Edmonton. It's can still get... in places where where the winter is um, horrible. The snow is um, always there on the ground during the winter. I mean, why would someone live there? I, I just don't understand why, it. I mean, I... Why even have? Um, places built up. I mean, what are the most populated cities in America? Uh, um, in the top ten on New York, Chicago, I mean, Detroit, why would the cities be built there? Why wouldn't they be built in more warmer places? Yeah, well, to, to answer why the cities are found where they are and why they are positioned there uh, would probably be beyond the scope of this program. What you could probably ask, ask is maybe uh, if Jews can or if anybody can, why don't people who are able to, who can find a means of living in one of the warmer climates. Why don't they go there? I think, however, Kalman, that there's, there is something to be gained. As much as I always tell my wife we should move to Miami and move to someplace warmer, I think that reflecting about it and sitting outside here in Chicago gives us time to reflect that there's a principle that the Sefer Yitzira mentions, which is called uh, Olam Shana and Nefesh, which is that a human being has to realize that the same way there are perhaps different parts of the world, there are different parts of the Shana, there are different parts of the year. And the different parts of the year respond to the different parts of a person's soul. Yeah, but the Sefer Yitzira is actually referring to the different levels in the parts of the year in uh, holy terms, meaning that different parts of the year. No, I'm not talking about. Be, I'm not talking about being unholy. I'm talking about using the times of the year as a reality and saying, "Well, my soul, my emotional understanding of things, goes through changes." I think the winter time is a time that is meant not to go through a, a cabin fever anxiety but perhaps to think, to reflect, similar to the frozen tundra that's outside, we can also freeze certain elements inside of ourselves. I think that uh, it's a time to reflect, a time perhaps uh, to reflect on morality, uh, curbing sensuality. We know that the Hasidic and Kab the Kabbalists tell us that this is a time during these periods of the Parshiot from Shemos to Truma, and uh, is called uh, the Shovavim, the Shovavim Tat, or the Shovavim, uh, a period that I know there has been uh, a pretty much a worldwide movement of rabbis preaching and exhorting their congregants to take this time to work on morality and 
as instead of worrying about what they're going to look like in their summer bathing attire, but rather to think about that when the summer and spring do explode, they explode upon us in a holy way because we've spent this time preparing for the hischadras. Might you be suggesting that someone who has immoral compulsions, that they should be moving to a colder climate in order to help curb? I think that we have to say, Kalman, although Eretz Yisrael is nowhere near as cold as we are, even there, there is a downtime, a winter time, a an extended night. No, but I think that the we the you're actually proving my point. I think that the fact that the Torah recognizes Israel as the perfect place to live and its climate, it it goes from from um in most places from thirty degrees to um ninety degrees. It never goes below freezing. It never reaches that um chill you to the bone um um. Uh, burn your face off cold that shows that that wasn't made for living. I think that actually the reason why the cold places even exist in the world is because because the earth is a sphere, you need cold places in order to give you actual places to live. So people who are living in these cold places are living in places that weren't meant to be inhabited. Okay, I want everyone to recognize this, that my co-host here, Rabbi Warch, has said that all of the, uh, the rust belt and colder areas really should be in, uninhabited and that we should all really be moving uh, to, to the warm and sunny I'm just climes. saying that naturally, when the world was created, we were meant to live in the Garden of Eden, and we lost some of our um, rights to live in such a perfect place, and therefore we now have weather issues and we need to wear clothing, but to live in a place which is the opposite of what we were meant to live in is just... Um... Well, I don't know if we can get back to the Garden of Eden unless God gives us his holy countenance again. But I think that European culture, which also arose in cold climates, was able to produce greatness. And I think part of that greatness was the reflection that it demanded from people during this period. Common, let me ask you something about the nights. Wherever you are, we know that the winter... The, it happens to be dark longer. Uh, wouldn't you say that winter nights call for a different sort of approach than the summer nights? Actually, no. I think that um, that's a big mistake that everyone makes is to treat the summer and winter differently with the whole daylight savings issue. I think that the day has 24 hours, 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. If one wants to say from 6 to 6 is day and from 6 to 6 is night, that's fine. The fact that there is light outside and not light outside is because the sun is in a certain position. How can we live our lives based on what angle the sun is facing us at this point? I think it's ridiculous. I think um, um, one should live 12-hour um, days in summer, 12-hour days in winter. I think according to Kabbalah we know that um, okay. there are actually 12-hour um, Hours in every day and twelve hours in every night, and why should one change their schedule just because um, the sun went down a little bit earlier? Comments ludicrous. You know that I'm very aware of the terms in the Zohar that are quoted in order to prove this idea. Uh, the famous Rebbe, the Kamarna Rebbe, made this one of his great campaigns about 150 years ago, that really times never change, that the time of Kriyat Shema and the time of Ma'ariv and the time of everything is always the same throughout every the year. Every minute and every second has its significant mystical value, and that doesn't change because um, there, the there might, is there might be position. some sort of There might be some sort of pristine truth that's unchanging that the Zohar is talking about, but the reality is, is that people who are living in these climates, who are living in places that... 
not only is there cold, but there's more darkness. A person is affected by sunlight. A person is affected by lack of light. And we know that I, I before the that before, before that people uh, would act differently. But the people need to build themselves a mental daily schedule, not dependent on daylight. I mean, uh, philosophically speaking, how can we allow that? to change us? How can we let ourselves be weakened by the fact that um, the light of the day is different? I don't know if we have to be weakened. I think that we can alter the way we approach things. We could use the long winter nights, recognizing how long they are, and use them as the Gemara says, that the nights were created in order to study. I think that we can use those winter nights uh, for study. I, let, let, let me explain but it. You, you're sacrificing the summer nights if you're going to um, treat um, those days differently. Well, I think the way we have to define this is the following. The summer or daylight is a time for absorbing, a time for comprehending, a time for bringing in new information. I think at night, when your interaction is limited with others, when you can't get out, I think that's where God wants us to reflect. He wants us to analyze. He wants us to take the new information and learning that we've done and and, and really invest it with, with insights and ideals that are really taken from the depths of our own souls. I think the summer nights, which are shorter, will have less of that, but we're spending the summer days absorbing and studying and getting more sensations, whereas our winter days are going to be short on absorption of material, but will be long in terms of what we do with it, in terms of what we uh, actually are able to invest of ourselves. And we have our investors, of course, and they will be giving you these important messages as the Chavrusa goes weiter after them. You're listening to the Chavrusa with Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. The Chavrusa can be heard every Monday evening on the Torah Radio Network Daily Show from 8 to 9 p.m. Central on AM 1080 WNWI Oaklawn, Chicago, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern on AM 680 WNZK Dearborn Heights, Detroit. Or you can hear it live at www.torahradio.net. And now we return to the Chavrusa on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. We're back. Um, we are discussing tonight... Um, the issues that people have in the winter, namely cabin fever and things like that. And I think it's important for our listeners out there to try to think of solutions, and maybe we can help them, and ways to deal with cabin fever, practical ideas. I think um, um, we've mentioned this a few times before in our show, that um, there are many times when families are brought together because they're locked in the house, and winter especially can be used as a time when the parents can make sure that all the meals are spent eating together. Everyone will stop what they're doing and come and eat the meal together and therefore promote family values. I think it goes together with what you were saying earlier about studying um, um, about moral issues. I think it, that's helped by growing up in a healthy family environment. And, and insist that you're saying we should insist that the meals be held together as opposed to the summer where there's so much activity going on that people are running off to do something else. 
or even if they can't do that, you know, and during the meal, if things don't happen, afterwards, time can be spent playing board games and things like that because it's dark outside. There's nothing to do outside. So um, don't spend your time well, doing other realistically, things. Realistically, I think we should maybe say that's a one night a week approach, especially in the in the modern world. But this is something that's very important for a family to spend time playing games You're not going to get an argument with me there. I think also what the winter nights can be used for, and, and in general the extra time that you have, even though there's perhaps anxiety for what the spring and summer will bring, is to actually plan your spring and summer. We know that uh, the summer camps uh, can be chosen not at the last minute when uh, it's suddenly you find yourself in the summer and where am I going to send my kid, but you could actually take the time to carefully determine what's the best place for you and for your child. What are the type of programs you want to do? What are the type of enrichment programs? Maybe You, you even... want to spend the entire winter planning for the summer? You spend your whole life perpetually planning. No, what I'm saying is is that recognizing that no, that, that summer I mean, there job... There are people who that live that like su- that, I understand. There are people no, who but always... The, we know that some people's whole years revolve around their summer job. Their summer job can provide for many of our younger listeners the type of income that actually gets them through the year. And in many ways... But you need to be getting through the year. You can't be living your year. You can't work to eat and eat to work. We're talking about being able not to suffer from the, the cabin fever. I think that if a person feels, oh, I put in, I invested uh, a lot of time in my winter and I really enjoy my job a lot, I think that you, you see your winter and your summer coming together as two pieces. I don't pieces think so. I don't think thing. we need to um, spend winter planning summer I'm not talking sports. About, I'm not talking about spending the whole winter. You're asking what to do at nights. Well, I'm saying instead of taking out uh, monopoly and risk, <clears throat> you can also think about your summer jobs. I don't and know. Your I would suggest a better suggestion. I think that this is a time to embrace the outdoors. I think families going out and building a snowman. I think every person out there has some kind of memory of their childhood, of being outside in the snow and playing and having a snowball fight. And I Wait, think... Wait a second. Weren't you the one that was calling uh, living in the wind, the, these type of climates inhumane and unhuman against the idea no, of No, I still road? believe that. I still believe that one should not live there. But people who are living there for some um, unknown reason and need to <laughs> therefore use these places as places that um, can help them feel uplifted. As as hard as I find it to believe that one can be as uplifted in these places as they would be in a more natural living environment or climate. But once you're there, you know, there's sledding to do. I mean, it's it's amazing how many people are walking around with broken ankles these days. I'll I'll let you you tiptoe on this snow trail a little bit longer. But I want to actually ask you about uh, something else, which is in a Jewish sense. In a Jewish sense, we know that the, time, the day that we probably feel the difference between the summer and winter the most would be on Shabbos, on Shabbat. <clears throat> the Friday night Shabbosim that we have that are so long, even when Shabbos begins at 4.30 and 5, you have hours and hours of a Friday night uh, coupled with a, a very long Motzei Shabbos. I, I think we should speak to our listeners and talk about some of the novel ways that the Jewish communities have come up with of making the most out of these winter Shabbosim. Now, again, I think this is based on your whole theory that winter and summer should be treated differently. I don't think that winter and summer should be treated differently. As much as the summer Friday nights are time for families to spend the short time that they have during that night eating a meal and then um, um, just relaxing, I, I, I don't think it's necessary to push people to go Friday night 
to these programs. I, I, not necessarily because these programs aren't well um, adept to the people and their needs. I but, think those programs are marvelous. I think this is what can change it from just a, a, a hankering down from the whole week and just uh, flopping down in exhaustion and turning it into a real Shabbos. I think that that's uh, it's a great bracha. And the Mlova Malka programs that are uh, – just take a look at any modern metropolitan city and take a look at all the wonderful speakers and programs and, and ways that a person can enrich his whole week. Well, I think the best way for a person to enrich his whole week to make his Shabbos so much more special is to sleep. Um, sh- Shabbos during the summer, Shabbos afternoon, people uh, spend their time sleeping, and that's the great joy of Shabbos. Well, Kalman, I know you're speaking. Well, you're you're speaking, of course, as a Talmud Chacham, as we know you are, Kalman, and we know the Arizal spoke about how the Talmud Chachamim need to get their sleep, but he also spoke about, in line with what the Gemara says, that a person who isn't involved in a life of learning has to make the most of his Shabbos in a spiritual way. And he has to learn and study more. And I don't think that there are many rabbis that will disagree with me on this. Well, I think that it's important to get the same amount of sleep at night that one would get and to make up for that sleep that you're not going to get during the day. In other words, you should have the same amount of learning in the summer as you can have in the winter. If in the summer you're doing those three hours learning in the afternoon, then you can do those three hours learning at night, um, Friday night, to cover those hours. But there's no need that if you're not learning that um, in the Shabbos afternoon during the summertime you're um, sleeping, then that doesn't mean that because it's a long Friday night, you should therefore be learning instead of sleeping. Common, if a person during the week stays up till 10.30 or 11 o'clock, I think that's the way it should be on Shabbos too. I think scientists have shown that it's impossible to make up sleep on the weekends. And people who try to do that, who about... push themselves, that's what you're talking about. Listen to what you said. I'm not talking if... about making up sleep. I'm yeah. talking about not needing to change your schedule. But you're talking about using Shabbos primarily for sleep. What about what happens during the week? What would be during the week? During the week, the person would do his taxes, do his business, do his bills, speak to his family, have a special, according to what you had said before, a special um, uh, family time with conversation and board games. And on Shabbos, you're saying what the person should do is he should just go to sleep. <laughs> that sounds a little bit strange to me. Better to send them to an Onik Shabbos or a Mlova Malka. Rabbi Kivilevich, I'm not understanding you. Um, I, I think our listeners out there would agree with me here. Those who um, do agree with me, please send your comments to harusatoradio.net where you can listen to our shows on the archives and send your comments. But are you saying that people should change their entire schedule? They should eat differently in in the winter? They should sleep differently? They should... Do all these kinds of things that they wouldn't necessarily do in the summer? I think that the winter, as I've said throughout this program, the winter and summer, because they're physically different, uh, the human beings respond differently to them. We, it's already different, Kalman. You're trying to, uh, based on the Zohar and other things, say everything's the same, nothing's different. It is different. And well, our I know bodies there are, there and minds are out different. there that um, spend the entire winter dieting and working out in order to build themselves the summer body so that they can spend the whole summer indulging. And I think that's sticking with your idea before of um, spending life perpetually planning. I think that's no, uh, not, ridiculous. and Not building your body and trying to get the abs that you want, but trying to perhaps get your mind in shape, your mind and your morals in shape. And I think the winter is a time for building and constructing and developing. That's what it is in nature, and that's what I think it is in the human soul. But now you're um, dealing with the horse and the carriage. Which one is leading what? I mean, are you saying that the summer is actually life, like I said before, and the winter is just a way to get around dealing with the issues of not having a summer?
I think that if you listen to our summer program, which I think is available on archives too, it, uh, I think you'll hear that what we talked about there was the fact that the summer, perhaps uh, before sin, was a time of enjoyment. It was a time of absorbing. It was a time of just relishing this great world. I think since the sin, and not only the sin of Adamarishan that you mentioned before, but the sins of the Jews that have led to the Chata Ego and the Chorban Beis Hamikdash, it has turned our summer into a much different time than it probably should be. So I, I think we've but been I think discussing wi- more negatives then for summer and winter than we have of positives. No, I think Is I've there been... something our listeners can take away as the best thing about winter? No, Kamen, I think anyone who's been listening carefully to what I've been saying has seen the winter as a time for growth, a time to plan, a time to be upbeat, a time not to necessarily, not to turn inward and get depressed, but a time actually to think about the things that make you you, a time to bond with your family, and that much I'll admit to you, but also a time to make a checklist of what it is that are your strengths and weaknesses and how they can be harnessed the best and how they can be on, on display in the best way during the spring and summer season that are coming. Well, that's about all the time we have for tonight. He's Rabbi Kalman Warch. I'm my Chavusa Rabbi Avram Kivilevich. And Kalman, I think through this conversation, a chill has developed between us. Let's go find some place to warm up. Hey, how about Puerto Rico? If you're paying. The Chavrusa features Rabbi Avram Kivilevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch and is directed by Jeff Osias.